Here's today's question for you. Is sheep farming buggered? Excuse my French on that one. I'm going to ask a man who's spent most of his lifetime breeding top sheep. His name is Derek Daniel from Wairiri. What's the answer, Derek? Because I know that, for instance, you've started breeding sheep that are sort of self-shedding or don't produce wool. Exactly. What, what a turnaround that is, having bred sheep for good wool over the last 40 years, and then my father before me, my grandfather before that, and, and so on. So, um, But I've got a foot in either camp, Jamie. Uh, yeah, obviously we, we put a lot of money and time into bringing in embryos and, and semen from sheep that are like hair sheep rather than bull sheep from the UK and Ireland. And, and on the other hand, um, still breeding for wool and still... Uh, very hopeful that this new use is this um, deconstruction of strong wool into particles powder and enabling a whole lot of other end uses that you wouldn't imagine. Uh, that That's still a big game in front of us, I hope. So I think sheep farming will split and, and go in either direction. And there will be a halfway house where people say, right, I want some bareness around the tail and around the points and uh, share once a year and uh, way less hampies work getting lambs ready to go to the works and so on, that might be the, the right place to be for for some sheep farmers. I worry about the future for strong crossbred wool, and I hope you're right that we find a meaningful use for it other than, than carpets. But I'm always confident that lamb is such a great product. It's got to have a good future. I, yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. Uh, and the issue is, though, that we are competing with, other lamb producers, Australia has taken a big big notch upwards in sheep numbers and they have got very good over the last 10 years at getting better lambing percentages and bigger carcass weights. So the, they are now the biggest exporter of lamb in the world. We've been shrinking, they've been growing and they uh, will yeah, probably continue to, to dominate. I think their scale production is generally bigger than in New Zealand and they work mainly on flat land which is a lot easier to farm and they have um, supplementary feed uh, available to them at at pretty cheap rates and they can fill in the gaps in in their feeding environment but they're struggling as well it's not not been easy uh, taking a big big drop in in uh, in the schedule but they'll bounce back and we've got to bounce back we've got to be resilient this is a tough ask uh, right at the moment, and we've got to look back to the lessons we learned in the 1980s and other times when it's been tough, and how do we adapt, how do we change, and having bear sheep is one way to take a significant cost out of your business. So that's one way to go. Derek, uh, you're a well-read man. You've been reading The Economist. Some of the numbers in there for the New Zealand economy aren't too flash. Oh, you're exactly right. On a macro level, uh, the government borrowing $75 million a day, that can't go on forever, uh, borrowing to fund our lifestyle. Um, and also, uh, yeah, the um, the trade deficit, which is, I don't know, sitting around 8 to 10%. In other words, we're not exporting enough to pay for the imports we want, which include cars, fuel, all the good things in life, coffee, et cetera, et cetera. We import about half the food that we eat. It's just um, it's way out of balance, and there needs to be a huge um, reconstruction of the economy, 
and the work ethic and so on. For instance, here's an example. Our retirement age is still 65. In Australia, 67 now. It's going to be 67 and a half in two years' time. Denmark, 67, heading for 74. There's a whole lot of people, including me, that have been paid universal superannuation. Who um, There's 170,000 people between 65 and 67 getting a handout from the government. We can't afford these things any longer. So, and so it goes with uh, the work-ready unemployed. What does that mean? Work-ready unemployed, but they're not working. And uh, the, the ballooning in the number in the public sector, up 100,000 people between 2017 and 2022. Uh, that's a 29% increase. What are they all doing? Uh, have we got an improved health system, education system, whatever? Uh, yeah, it, it needs radical overhaul, Jamie. Hey, one more for you very quickly, because I've got Don Carson from the Forest Owners Association uh, coming up a wee bit later in the air. Carbon farming or forestry taking over good sheep and beef land. Uh, it's still a real threat because there's not much of an exit plan for people who want to exit perhaps uneconomic properties. Oh, it's been a, an amazing exit plan for the last three, four, five years. Absolutely. I mean, I've got land around Wairere here that's gone into trees and... It's uh, at at levels like, I don't know, 50%, even 100% higher than what a sheep farmer could pay. And uh, that's been amazing. It's another one of these kind of handouts or subsidies uh, that um, the New Zealand government has, has uh, dangled like a carrot in, in front of the farming sector and, and the, the general population. It's often better to be on... Um, on a, uh, assisted housing and work two or three day, days a week than to work five days a week. And, yeah, we've, we've got all the all the signals wrong. And, Jamie, the, the issue is the last four auctions selling carbon credits, the government hasn't been able to get the bids they want. So it's just hanging there and they're building a debt because they're not selling these carbon credits. And you've got to ask... How long is this gravy train going to continue? It's called the Emperor's New Clothes. Derek Daniel, always good to catch up with you on the, on the country. You're a smart thinker and I like the way you think. Great, Jamie. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye.